0: It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, and we are fired up. Today, it's all about the big stuff, boys. You know what I'm talking about, the big stuff. Like, seriously, the big stuff. That's right. When you say big
1: stuff, there's, there can be a lot of things in there, but uh, specifically, there's a guy, Big Stuff. He's got a company, Big Stuff 3, and this guy makes some of the biggest power that you've ever seen, and he's been doing it for so many years, it'll blow your mind. Right? This yeah, guy kind of really pulled together some of those big boosted engines 20 plus years ago. While we were all twiddling our thumbs. He
0: sweats more power at the racetrack than most of us will have inside our own engines. This guy sneezes 60, 70 horsepower at a time. I'm not going to tell you what he has for breakfast because this is a family podcast. When it comes to power, this man is it. He's got the t-shirts to prove it. Um, seriously. Hey, man. Uh, <laughs> Preach on. Preach on, brother. <laughs> hey, bro. I, I want to show you a picture. So I, I ran big stuff forever. I'm going to hold. You see this? See this? picture of me hanging my car on the rear bumper there right yes, sir that's that's yeah. big stuff power right there um uh-huh. that's uh that's back in the day um i run big stuff three on my car and it's uh i gotta tell you man it's it's one of those systems that god it's a lifesaver everybody this is no joke man you know how we talked to certain people before and there are certain guys that that y- you sort of idolize that you know are doing the right thing of the track right when you see some guy that that has a formula down, he's got a crew down. He's he's got all the data logging. He's got you know all the conditions memorized or in some logbook or something like that. The guy has always got all the you know the t's crossed, i's dotted, and he's the toughest competitor at the track. One thing I noticed really fast when I started, you know, you evolve as a racer. You got a street car that you go you know, racing every once in a while, and and out where I'm at in Colorado, you know, in the altitude issue that we fight, you know, uh, an 11-second streetcar is actually pretty fast out here. Um, I won a 10-second streetcar challenge a number of years ago, and, man, my car was tough to beat on the street. But as you you graduate and you meet the real-deal racers and guys that are really going fast, one thing rings true. All of them are running a lot of the same equipment. They all have ARP stuff. They're all running, you know, Cali stuff, and they all have big stuff. When I stood at the track and really wanted to make power, everybody's like, you got you to go with Big Stuff 3. You just got to get a Big Stuff 3 kit. You got to get, you know, everything that it brings to the table all the data logging, all the info, the data, everything you need to run it. And it, it really was. It was one of those things where you had to evolve as a racer, and that, that was the company you had to go with. hands down well you know we don't have just somebody from big stuff three we have the guy
1: the guy that created it and there are many many in the hot rod world racing world that pretty much will will flat out say that john Meany is the godfather of aftermarket efi this guy has been in it from day one and has started company after company the big brands you know he started back at bosch he learned the ropes right he's an engineer and a hot rudder so it's kind of that mega smart car guy slash engineer. Uh, but he went and started his own digital fuel injection. Uh, I think it kind of got merged with Excel or bought out by Excel. Uh, the other the big names, you know, Fel Pro slash Fast. We all know about Fast fuel injection. Holly. come on now. I mean, this guy has been on the forefront of taking what the OEs are doing, you know, back when you had to, you know, burn a chip, you know, back when it was really awkward and painful to work on fuel injection. Uh, You know, he had the foresight, the vision and the mental capability to say, guys, we need access to that level of control. You know, the fuel, the spark. Uh, And he's just progressed it all the way to where he's damn near perfected it on big stuff. And it's not just, uh, you know, when you say, I want to go fast. It's not about the fuel and the spark and how much you can shove in there. Uh, You know, his system is like a whole vehicle management rocket ship computer you know from traction control and and how he's doing uh, you know trans control and shifts and and you name it uh those are all the little things that you got to add up to be the fastest guy on the track
0: yeah yeah not to mention today's modern cars all the creature comforts that now have to you know go along for the ride because you look at what's happening now you know sick week is happening you got drag week y'all these you know, Rocky Mountain Cruise, all these certain cruises and events where you're going on long, long hauls. So a lot of creature comfort comes into play. You know, there's streetcars out there running, you know, out where I'm at, there's eight-second streetcars all over town. That's a real streetcar. It's crazy. (laughs) Uh, It's nuts. So to have the guy on that really, you know, led the way in pioneering how to manage that, the power and tie everything together... Uh, the BCM, the PCM, everything working and functioning together. Man, we are, we're getting gooey today. So let's take this break. Let's knock this break out, come back with John, the man, Meanie, and talk some fuel injection, big stuff. Three on the way to the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B. We're back after the break. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have John the Man Meanie on with us on today's podcast. The man behind Big Stuff 3. He's big stuff, no doubt. John, thanks for coming on, man. Awesome to have you with us, bro. You're welcome. How'd you meet Kevin, man? I was just going to say,
1: you know, I think I met John, it's got to be almost 20 years ago. So I was R&D at Ford Powertrain. We were working on a Skunk Works V10 version of the Coyote, uh, thinking it was cool as heck. You know, we got our little building right there, and uh, the garage door would open. One of us would shoot out with the car. We, you know, drag strip down without trying to get in trouble. You know, do some burnouts, do some testing, sneak it back in. And uh, one day, John shows up because he knows a couple of the buddies I worked with in his time machine. And if, if you don't know what the time machine is, it's like a seafoam green C4 vet, like completely unassuming. But this is back in what 2002, three. This thing is cranking out like 1300, was it twin turbo setup? I oh, think yeah. that was
2: 9.
1: At least when I met you, because uh, I started Ford at 2000. So it might have been 2001, 2002. So yeah, he's probably been messing with that thing for a couple of years. Wow. Dude. So think about 20 something years ago, this man is just zipping around with 1300 horsepower. Uh, the rest of us are dawdling around with our 463 valve making 285 or whatever it is, you know? like.
0: And you guys over there playing with your little 440 horsepower v Yeah, no Ooh. doubt, no doubt, man. Uh, he, he shows up with a, a big old spanking paddle. <laughs> Line him up.
1: <laughs> so this is how long this guy's been playing with big numbers, right? He's been in the four-digit game for a long time.
0: So, John, what sort of led you down that path? You know, at one point, there's got to be some paradigm shift in, in the way you're thinking, how your logic is applied to your setup. Uh, at, at what point did you know that you had to create something? You had to, you had to make something in order to make what you wanted as your dream and your goal?
2: Well, it was my uh, senior project in my engineering school at Valparaiso University. And uh, I messed with carburetors a lot. And my professor told me, look, you got there's got to be a better way. Uh, fuel injection is the way to go. Carburetors will be extinct. So that kind of set me on my course to do it. And uh, I had a lot of good influences like John Lingenfelter and Sonny Leonard, you know, big, big horsepower guys, you know. So the uh, idea was start out NA and then uh, one of my guys that worked for me bought a brand new Buick and we put it on the dyno and it made like 270 horse and 330 foot pounds, just like they said. And then, um, I talked to my buddy, Harry Haruska, who was still at Garrett at the time. And I said, Hey, look, you need to make a turbocharger for this thing. And this was an old mechanical dyno that had a a hydraulic needle that would read the torque and a good small block. would be about 11, 12 o'clock on the needle Good big block because I did a lot of big blocks with Lingenfelter, they'd be like two or three. And I put this little V6 on with this turbo that Harry came up with. We had a little ECU we made called DFI 60 box. And the first pull it just took the needle and wrapped it around like a fan. And this is a 230 cubic inch engine. Normally we're running, you know, four or five hundred cubic inch motors. And at that point the light went on.
1: Yes, but I, I, told Harry, I,
2: told, I told Harry, I said, you got to go home, quit Garrett, and start building turbos, and let's get after this. So that's how Precision Turbo basically started, was after that dyno session.
0: Wow. What a cool story, man. What a crazy story to even think about. Because yeah, Precision is just a name you just, you know, you know in racing, you know, um, it, it's been there in those big high horsepower uh, sort of setups, and you think about how that all started, and you know, it pinned the needle. That's uh, a good story to relay to uh, others, man. Way cool. So this had to be back, like, mid-early
1: 90s? How long ago was this?
2: Oh, man. You guys are making me reach back for a while. Now, I would say, well, when a Buick Grand National came out was in 87, right? So maybe 90-ish. 90. Man. Wow. Yeah. The time, I was I'm driving the time waiting. machine around, I think, in, by 95.
1: No kidding.
2: Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, this guy's been playing in the sandbox for way too long. He's just run circles around most of us. Now, you started uh, the Grand National, and, gosh, I'm going back 20 years. Uh, I've been to your house, your dyno. You were playing around with two Jay-Zs. I know you've been at LSs. You did a lot of motors for, like, Troy Chapagne, Rad Rides by Troy. Um, those are, like, LTs, whatnot. Um, I mean, you've been around everything, Uh, what's been some of your favorites and and I'll save, you know, you were texting me recently, some of your, your newest ones. So let's, let's hold on that. So that's, that's going to be kind of some really cool surprise from left fields. What are some of your other fun favorite engines that you just cranked up some sick power on?
2: I'm going to, um, I'll tell you a Troy story. The first time I met Troy, you want to hear that one?
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: So him and his old man, he calls me up on a Friday and he tells me he wants the dyno this big block. I'm like, okay, bring it up here. So he brings it up, we put it on the dyno, start it up and it's vibrating the whole dyno around the cell. And I said to my guy, I said, Kevin, did you put the right flywheel on there? He goes, yeah, I put the externally balanced one on there. I go, just humor me and put the uh, internally balanced flywheel on. So we put the internally balanced flywheel on and it was worse. So Troy's like, do you think we can spray it? I'm like, dude, I can't even run this NA. It's so bad. So he's like, you're kidding me. I was like, no, we're done. You guys got to go. I'm, there's no way I'm even going to run this, rev this engine up to 5,000. It's going to fly apart and go all, oil all over my dynamo. So like, why don't you take that? He goes, well, we're going to take it back. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. We'll be back here on Monday. This is a Friday, right? And I'm thinking, right. Monday morning at eight o'clock, they were knocking on my door. They had put the whole engine back together. They took the crank out, found out it had six pounds. I don't even know how you get six pounds of heavy metal wow. in a crank shaft to balance it, right? But it was six pounds out of balance. So they, had a, they went up to Wisconsin, got a new assembly, rotating assembly, brought it back down, and then uh, started it up. And it was just purred like a kitten, you know? And now they're like, now we know why he didn't want to run it. You know? So the thing made, like, I don't know, with the nitrous 1200 horsepower back in the day and that's when troy went to the uh they had some car craft thing out there at uh Mylan, and everyone else was there with their little you know natpi motors and troy's got a big block injected with three stages of nitrous <laughs> and we, we on the motor on motor it ran like 12s and the first stage it went 11s Second stage, it went 10s. And I'm like, Kevin, we got we to gotta punch this big Buick into the nines, right? <laughs> so I go get back there and start heating the bottle up. So Kevin's got a torch. He's heating the bottle up. Jack comes walking around the back. He sees it. He's like, oh, my God, what are you doing? You're going to burn this car to the ground. We're like, relax, big guy. So then Jude, <laughs> right before he strapped Troy in for his nine-second mission, his mom says to me, hey, you better not kill my baby. I'm like, don't worry, Jude. It's okay. So he goes down there, he goes 990, you know, comes back, and the rotors, because Milo had a pretty short shutdown at the time, the rotors are all blue and black and cracking. I'm like, we're done for the day, you know. So, Yeah, those are some good Troy stories. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that just goes to show the tenacity of the guy, right? His engine's a complete pile of crap. He leaves on a Friday, kind of like, you know, with a you know, dick in the dirt, and then comes back on Monday all ready to go, and we knocked the thing out in, like, two hours, right? It's just, just good yeah, stuff.
0: Yeah, hey, Every race has got a couple stories probably like that, you know? rebuilding the pits, changing out rear ends. You know, it's all part of it. That's what makes the sport so stupid addicting at the same time. Uh, arguably, um, indecisive as to why we why we do it and spend so much time at it. Uh, it's brutal, but you know, if you had a good day racing, it means you uh, got to load a car at the end of the day and uh, hopefully put down some good laps and, and made your best run at it without hurting a lot. So, it's uh, it's addicting. But God, it, there's nothing funner, There's <laughs> nothing more exciting, for sure. Especially you know, clicking off uh, an eleven, a ten, and into nines. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you know
1: if we go down a timeline you were, you were going down the path of, you know, developing EFI, which gave you a tool that, that not a lot of folks had uh, g- gave you the experience with it to, to, to know how to, you know, really utilize that tool. But at the same time you were playing around with some pretty big power numbers and power adders, you know, still again, early on, and everybody else is just doing an NA fuel injection. Oh my God, I got to tune this thing. Oh geez. How's this work? But you were, you were kind of jamming both. And did you feel like they were feeding each other? You were getting on some big motors, making some big power, and it was just driving you to, you know, keep developing the fuel injection, keep adding capability. Uh, What's my limiting factor? They just kind of, you know, drove each other.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, you started out with the streetcar stuff. Then we started to get into the race stuff. Uh, Mike Morana, you know him, he's got uh, the time he had a Sonny Leonard naturally aspirated engine was racing NMC Pro Street with uh, Tony Christian, uh, that, that era, you know what I mean? And we put nitrous on that, and then he was the first to go in the sixes. And then with the turbochargers 10 years later, he was the first to go in the fives. So it's just, you know, it is, it's like a drug. Horsepower is like a drug, you know. You go out there and you're your street car and you race somebody and you beat them. You know you can't wait to run the next guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. So you gotta. It's like walk softly and carry a big stick. That's why I always try to do it with a stock looking hood so no one suspects anything.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's uh that's definitely a cool approach for it for sure. You know when when you think about all these sort of evolutions and what you've been able to do from carburetor into fuel injections. Um, when was the big uh, I don't know. Uh, epiphany. When was the big moment that you you realized you were onto something and you got a hold of something that not a lot of people had experienced yet, or you were finding, you know, the the right ratios along the right you know RPMs to to really make big power, and you could you could capture it, you could store it, you could data log it. At what point did all this this stuff start to click in?
2: Well, the first epiphany with the uh turbocharger was that buick story i told you about the employee and then i said well if one turbocharger is good we got to have two so i (laughs) built a v8 with twin
1: turbos (laughs) and then
2: um a lot of people didn't like the uh, you know the idea of having to fabricate an exhaust and stuff so we basically were the first one to patent the dry flow nitrous where you just spray the nitrous into plenum and then you add the fuel right through the injector and you could retard the timing and do it with with the stages and you know, all that stuff is really good computers do that stuff real easily. Right, right. So then we did the nitrous stuff, and then I kept pushing the turbo stuff, then the whole market seemed with Harry. Once Harry got on board with precision, everything started to go, you know, turbocharger. Now everybody's has turbochargers or some type of forced induction, you know. Right, right. Not, not as much nitrous, but uh, yeah. The first epiphany was the turbo with the little V six wrapping the dyno around, and then the second thing was being able to do the nitrous dry because it seemed to save the engine. A lot of the wet flow nitrous systems, you know, the fuel wasn't getting there, the spark, and there was you were you different systems to do all that, and with the ECU could integrate it all in one control your stages, your fuel, your spark, retard everything, right?
0: So so was there a moment where you decided, hey man, if we had something that could put all of this together under one one controller, then I could do something that I could really manage the system and throw more at it because we're, that's the that's the game. We're trying to throw as much at it, but managing it and how it comes in, you know, obviously some, you know, keeping the heat down, uh, and keeping the fuel ratios right and the burn right uh, at, at what point, When did it click in your mind where you're like, hey, I got I to gotta create this. I need some, something that isn't out there right now.
2: Well, it started out, it's a st- it was a like, stages thing. The first, first launch venture was DFI, and that was basically uh, catered towards the uh, TFI Ford 5-liter and the tune port uh, V8s so when the GM first went EFI. So that's when we first started, we probably started before 85. I think we had an ECU to go by 88 that you could plug right into your stock harness. And now instead of using, like Kevin mentioned earlier, a chip, you could have a laptop and you could basically alter the fuel and spark in real time. And so if you put different cam headers, uh, more compression, all that, you could retailer the fuel curve You wouldn't have to be burning these chips, you know, burning 20, 30 chips, and you spend a couple hundred dollars on a chip, so selling a system for, you know, $9.95, it was pretty easy, you know? So then once that, once you got the basic system done, and then you you would start exploring the forced induction, because that's where the EFI really shines, is with forced induction, with turbochargers and superchargers over a carburetor, you know, those blow-through setups. I mean, they're getting a little better now, but this... The EFI just is, is killer with that. And then with the dry flow nitrous, I mean, all this stuff just started, keep add, keeps adding on the features and functionality, you know. I mean, right now we have systems where you can run closed loop air fuel ratio in each cylinder and te- treat the engine as eight little engines. So any distribution problems in the intake manifold, it's all every cylinder is running at the same air fuel ratio right,
1: we figure there's always some limiting cylinder right one of them going to knock before another one and uh if you can kind of pull that one back yeah
2: it, well you're you're an engine guy kev yeah. you know that
1: uh we can see it you know on the on the oe side right just any engine might just always have the knock on number two uh it's just ingrained in it so if you can go in and back out too but push three four and seven man you're just gonna find more power
2: yeah we call those the worker bees you know some cylinders and how we fi- <laughs> how we found this out was we the new ecu will do the in-cylinder pressure so it'll it plots the uh pressure in the cylinder versus crank angle and you can see the difference in the different humps they're like little bell-shaped curves which guy's pushing you know doing more work versus the other guy And, you know, if you can bring the other eight to the game, to the program, show up, make make them make more power than the other two that normally make all the power, you can back them down a little bit so you get more reliability. So with the closed-loop air fuel, you can actually figure out where the air is going in your manifold so you can fix your intake manifold, you know what I mean? Like some of these engines, all the air in like a pro-stock motor, most of the engine air goes in the, the front of the engine and none on the back. So you do everything you can to kinda equalize that and make them all work together.
0: That's cool. I I got a a scanner. It's um it runs what's called a contribution test and you can see each cylinder what is contributing to the overall power so you read it the graph and see which cylinder is down so you can go, you know, tweak and tune on that. It's uh it's really cool that some of the and it's a Bosch ironically. Uh, it's crazy that you know you've had your hands in all this technology for so long. I'll tell you what, let's take a break. More to pick your mind with, and where you're going next here in just a minute. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. This thing is flying by. Hold on, we're back in just a second. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, and man, we have the man of Myth Legend, John the Man Meanie, on with us the creator behind Big Stuff 3. It is it is the absolute coolest and it's the go-to when when I start spending a lot more time at the track and less time on the street. Everybody's like, Man, you gotta get you gotta get big stuff. Um, I remember looking at those grass and some of those tables and you remember um, back in the day when you saw remember you would see these little drawings and you would stare at it for a minute and then all of a sudden woof there would be that image that appeared and you'd be like I yeah, got it yeah 3D right yeah. that was that's how some of the tables looked you know, back in the day, we had to get. You know, we all had a tuner because it was all new to us. You know, you had the guy with the laptop. We were used to carburetors, and we're like, "Hey, man, plug in. Tell me what's going on." A lot of us went to some guy that had a dyno that was really efficient at it. You know, for us, it was uh, my boy Scotty on this uh, this region. And man, you start looking at what he's looking at, a data, and how's this work, and how's that? And they would see this big table and start looking at the grass, and it'd be like, "It's right here," and you see what they were seeing inside some of the numbers. Yeah. It's um, like the Matrix. It's right there. There's the girl has, in the red dress. It's right know? there. Uh, and it would start copying the numbers and dragging them over. And all of a sudden, your car would start picking up ET, picking up ET. But all of that data logging, all that info, it man, it used to be so tough to obtain. Think about what you had to do in order to be able to. Do the things these computers are telling us now all this information before we left the break he was talk, talking about how to equalize each of the cylinders you got the worker bees you know you, you basically got some that are contributing more some are contributing less so if you can bring those other cylinders up and make everything even par how much more efficient and how much more power would you gain for it so it's tricks like that that john i, I gotta tell you man that's always in the quest of racing and, and who's going the fastest that's, that's what separates uh, the winners from the losers, man. Well, speaking of winners, John,
1: tell us, you know, from your many years of experience, right, from dyno to on the track, uh, what, what are some of the key things that you just, it's kind of a no-brainer now to you for making big power? I mean, I think we're all kind of catching up, but kind of give us the top ones for, for, for making big power. It might not be so obvious. Uh, the
2: turbocharged stuff. Basically, if you can go to methanol, you're going to have twice as much of fuel. It doesn't have the exact BTUs that gas does, but you're going to burn twice as much of it. So with the turbo stuff, if you can go to anything with the methanol base that carries a a lot of latent heat. So that's what that's what helps the turbochargers and the supercharger stuff like the power they're making with E85 now. You know, it's just incredible you know you you can buy e85 well a, you know a year or two ago you could buy it for less than two bucks a gallon where c16 like 14 bucks a gallon you know what i mean
1: yeah so with the high octane with the high octane and the, the alcohols right the e 85 uh you can you can push a lot of spark in there but you're building a lot of cylinder pressure so do you find for really kind of chasing it would you rather just keep adding boost and retarding or would you you know not keep chasing the boost level and pushing the spark but your pressures are going up and you can start buckling rods and things right blowing gaskets yeah
2: what happens what happens is uh what i see is when you start boosting stuff it keep more boost you do put in it it just it's the nature of the beast you got a fixed orifice on the exhaust side so you're going to make peak torque more boost you're going to make to peak torque sooner so you have to have your spark and fuel curves accommodated, you know, set up for that. Right. So the, uh, so that, that was, I would say the, the biggest thing is with gasoline is if you can run E85 on a streetcar, like in my truck, I showed you that video of it, running that V12 that on on gasoline, when I ran Glenn, that one party that Troy had, Glenn had a brand new Giardo there and we run out and ran on the highway with it from like uh a 60 roll to 140 and, uh, the truck beat him. And that was with gasoline. That was only 10 or 12 pounds. And then when I put the E85 in it, I could run it up to 20, 22 pounds. And it felt like a whole other engine was in the car. <laughs> yeah. It's like an after booster. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the other side of the NA stuff is you want to cool the plenum, but the other stuff is more boost with fuel. That'll take it. That's right,
1: because otherwise you're just going in that death spiral. Yeah, you're just pulling spark. You're boosting. You're pulling spark. You're boosting. You're pulling spark. It just gets hotter and
0: hotter. You're trying to ride that line.
2: That's the that's one thing is like when they start pulling like different engines will, like Ford engines when they start to rattle, you got to pull a bunch of timing out for a while. Like a GM engine, it'll just rattle, and you pull that timing back and then you can go back at it. But a Ford engine for some reason it, it just once it rattles you it, so you have to you have to know it's it's basically engine based too like the new Dodge HEMI uh, NA power when they first came out was was like 22 degrees of timing. You know, everything else is like 38, you know, and the LS motors were like 32, 34 and those things were down in the 20s. So they're doing a lot with swirl in the cylinder head and homogeneous, you know, how homogeneous is and the burn rates real quick in the chamber. So, all that stuff, everybody's doing different things. You know, it was a Hemi engine, a new Hemi engine, right? It had two spark plugs versus, you know, it was still a hemispherical combustion chamber. So, yeah, it's dependent on the engine too. The, you know, there's different engines. Want different things, right? Crazy,
0: man. I wish the podcast could last for hours because you're definitely a guy you could just have on uh, and pick your mind about a bunch of different setups and uh, what we should be running. Uh, Let's talk about what, what you guys are doing now in the world of, you know, there's so much out there now that, you know, that is available for us to learn and, you know, get info on. What do you think the next evolution? What's Big Stuff 3? Uh, what's out new for applications? Because I- I'll tell you, I-, I went through a big evolution on my car. I used to run Big Stuff 3, but I- I- I'm actually going to the track this year for the first time with it uh, in, like, you know, five years. It took me five years to build this thing. So I- I'm looking to, uh, to see what's next out there. What do you guys have at Big Stuff 3 that we're going to be all over?
2: Well, the new Gen 4, which we released, like, two years ago. It has all wireless communication, so no longer are you tied to a cable to make tuning changes. You can go sit in your you know, air-conditioned toter, bring up all your data, you know, overlay it onto the maps, and make the changes to the maps, and you're not even, you don't even have to plug into the car. It's all wireless. And we went with uh, an Ethernet-based system, so it's 100 megabits per second. I tried to do things that when I make the change, it'll be you know last for 10 years before you have to go out and redo it again. And and with the new Ethernet stuff and the wireless, to get a hundred million bits per second being transferred, you can actually watch the cylinder pressure in real time and crank angle, where you'd have to have an AVL system. Kevin, you're familiar with those, that just do, you know. At one gig on the on Ethernet to do cylinder pressure data, right? But you know, because of this new chip with the Ethernet on board, we we jumped on that versus going to a CAN-based system or uh, you know a serial type system. So that's one of the things is having the, the wireless communications with the supercharger stuff on the factory stock shootout cars we're running 802s in those to try to get, cause that's a heads up class. And if you can pick up two or three hundreds, that's a ton in those classes. So a lot of the guys are using the eight cylinder tuning because not only does the air fuel ratios for eight cylinders, like cylinder one might start out at 12 to one, but in third gear, it might be uh 1340, you know? So it moves based on going down the track and the pressure of boost you're using in the engine. So, if you can keep the ultimate tune on those engines, like you guys said earlier, they'll make the most power and run the quickest. So, that has that capability. And then it has basically a race pack built in. It's got three axis G meter, three axis gyro, it's got EGTs, it's got eight air fuels, it's got shock for shock sensor data it's got turbo shaft speed sensors it's got drive shaft sensors speed sensors i mean you can do measure all this stuff and basically the guy how it works is the guy with the most data if you can interpret it generally wins so we sent one whole core our new micro is a 32 bit runs at 260 megahertz has dual cores one core its whole job is just to gather data where the other core runs the engine. So what'll happen in the future, you'll have more cores and they'll be, they'll be tied to different tasks, right? So now you basically have a race pack built inside of your EFI system. And when you look at the data, that's all on one screen. So it's not like you got one set of race pack data, then you got another set of data for your EFI, all that's, you know, all done in one box now. It's fun. It's funny because we're at like one one thousand hertz data acquisition, and I think the race pack's like two hundred and fifty kilobit. So it's the it's already four times quicker. You know,
1: did you even see the progression? Because when you started, it was just engine management. Right now, right. you got your fingers in the transmission. Now you got your fingers in all the data act. Now you're pretty much controlling. All the key functions of the vehicle you know traction control and and how that dynamics of
0: the vehicle launches oh, and behaves as it's going down the track everything bcm yeah, yeah abs all that stuff right all, you got to control everything
2: yeah not only that it's like you got the dashes you got a can bus for a race pack you got can bus for our touchscreen dash we got can bus for garmin like in boats when they have dual engines so it's got, it's not only that, but it's also displaying data too, right? Yeah. It's, when it first, it's, it's funny because when it first started, it was called the DFI 5.0 box. And all it did, because they didn't even have electronic distributors back then, is control the fuel. And then you tuned your spark curve, I'm showing my age here, with a vacuum canister and a set of weights and springs on a distributor, okay. right?
0: so oh, then yes. when the
2: electronic distributors came out then we made the interface to that so now you could do fuel and spark in the same Ooh. box and then i then we said okay well we're going to add a wide band o2 so
0: no we had way. the first
2: closed loop <laughs> wide band o2 sensor system and then they we said well we need data acquisition so we put that in there and then we said we need more of the vehicle data you know not only do the engine now we got to start doing the vehicle And yeah, it just keeps progressing and progressing and progressing. It's just like when you consider an Atari computer, that's basically what you used with a uh, DFI system back in the day. And now you're using Windows 10 machine, 10, 11 machines and you can, you know, do. It's it's just unbelievable the difference in the the power in the last year with the computers.
1: That's been a pretty incredible journey, man. And you have really been on the forefront of so many aspects. Like I said, from... You know, making an EFI accessible, usable, powerful, uh, you know, really identifying then as a tool what you can do to the engine to make more power, to get smarter about making more power, uh, to then applying it to the actual vehicle to make the car go faster down the track. Pretty damn impressive, John. It's been awesome knowing you for the last couple decades here and, uh, you know, catching up here and there, uh, having a few pops getting some
0: stories, uh, checking out your dyno, man. And um, hey, hey, John, I-, I got a question about the time machine, man. I got to ask him. Roll around 1,400 in a C4 vet. You're breaking hopes, hearts, dreams. You're crushing fools. What is the most humiliating s- spanking you ever laid on anybody in the you know, time machine? He still has that thing. It's I- that's what I'm saying, man. Of, I- of destroying, you know? Um there's got to be one, it's got to be one little S talking nonsense. Like, all right, man, <laughs> come, come at me. Well,
2: this, this was great. We were coming back from the uh, Woodward cruise and going through the tunnels. And that thing sounds like a fighter jet when the turbos are on the pipe. And I was in front of Troy and Jack, the power, they had a power outage in Detroit and, uh, I'm just like tracking in front of them, and, and they have got the rig, and we're going back to my house. And uh, this guy comes blowing up in a, a late model Camaro, right? So he pulls alongside of me, and he like downshifts it and accelerates away. And I'm like, do I do this guy or what? You know. So, <laughs> so I, I wait for the, I, I wait, I wait a little bit, wait for the clearing. So I run up alongside of him, right? And then, and show them the business. And I said to Troy later, I said, I know you guys are probably, you know, a quarter mile away, but what did it sound like when I dropped the hammer? He goes, dude, it sounded like a nuclear bomb went off because I just saw the car just spit out about five, five cars ahead of him and stuff. And then, you know, most of the guys sometimes would pull you over to light and you'd say, Hey man, what did you do to that car? I tell them oh, just a chip and a muffler, man, because <laughs> <laughs> it looks it looks all stock. You know, it has a stock hood on it, the stock wheels. I mean, it's all stock.
0: That's but great.
2: You, you didn't know, right? You, you couldn't see the turbos. You couldn't. There was nothing that gave it away. So,
0: yeah, man. That's the way to do it. That's uh, that's awesome, man. All right. Well, look, guys. Don't forget about our show airing weekends on the Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. Also available on Motor Trend Streaming On Demand, which is a great resource to find us. Thanks for our guest, John Meaney. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, our producer's group, executive producer, Bob Ecker. Yeah, and don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com.
1: Share your thoughts with us. We're on social everywhere, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at twoguysgarage.com. The Two Guys Garage podcast is a copyright 2022. Brenton Productions Incorporated.
0: All rights reserved. John, we got to have you back, man. Yeah, no doubt, because I wanted
1: to get to the Ferrari motors that you're playing with, because that's a whole Ugh. different ball game. So real quick, because a uh, few peeps kind of listen to the end here, man. Where can they find your YouTube video for uh, your Twin Turbo V12? It's,
2: it's on YouTube. You can just uh, Google it. Uh, do a search for 90 twin turbo testarossa dyno and it'll come up then and it's just got it the big red valve covers on it you know it's a redhead
1: we'll have to bring it back on for some more scoop and some inside and and uh see how the projects are going because you've got a couple of these bad boys so uh appreciate having you on man it's been fun no
2: problem kev no problem
1: right on, man See you,
0: John. Take care. All right,
2: thanks, Willie.
0: Hope you had a good time, man. I know I did. And we'll catch you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.